Our scripture text this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 1. Easy to find. It's on page 3 of your pew Bibles, right in the beginning. Genesis, in the beginning. Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31. If you'd like to turn to it in your Bibles, want to lift up God's Word for our hearing, our understanding, and our application. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all of the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath, the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that all that he had made, all, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. I want to talk this morning about unshakable hope. Unshakable hope. You may have noticed that uh, I kind of shake a little bit with a benign familial tremor, as they call it. It's not Parkinson's disease, but especially when I have a lot of adrenaline going on in me as I preach or whatever, I tend to shake. And it's especially annoying when I'm trying to carry a cup of hot tea or coffee. But otherwise, it's okay. At this point, I kind of inherited this from my mom, at least. And it gets passed down to some of my kids. It's in the family. It just reminds me that I live in a world that is shaking. This is a shaky world in general. And... The shake of my left hand is nothing compared to what's going on in the world, in the Ukraine, and all over. Everything feels shaky. Wars and rumors of wars, COVID, pandemic, political polarization, financial instability, social chaos, moral depravity, etc., 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 the list goes on. As we just sang, our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in our solid rock, Jesus Christ. Our Lenten sermon series is going to be based on a book 
by Max Lucado, as I said, unshakable hope, building our lives on the promises of God. As we think about standing on God's promises, that's where we can stand, the solid rock of God's promises to us in our lives. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand, we just sang. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, we shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. I have a quote from Max Lucado's book. He talks about one student of the scripture who spent a year and a half attempting to tally the number of promises that God has made to humanity. He came up with 700, I mean 7,487 promises. 7487. That's remarkable. God's promises, Max says, are like Pine trees in the Rocky Mountains of Scripture. Abundant, unbending, and perennial. Some of the promises are positive, the assurance of blessings. Some are negative, the guarantee of consequences. But all are binding, for not only is God a promise maker, but God is a promise keeper. God is a promise keeper, a covenant-making, a covenant-keeping God. All of his promises are yes and amen. We need hope and reassurance amidst life's trials and tribulations in this world. This morning, I want you to begin to meditate, to saturate yourself with God's great and precious promises. Soak them in. As Peter writes in 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. That's an amazing promise in and of itself. His divine power has given us all that we need. Well, I don't know if I can live... The claims of the Christian life, it's pretty heavy and burdensome. His divine power has given you all that you need for life, for godliness, through our knowledge of Him. Through these, He has given us His great, very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in this world that caused by evil desires. Keep that verse in mind. Second Peter 1, verse 4. American evangelist in the 19th century, Dwight L. Moody, was quoted saying, Let a man feed for a month on the promises of God, and he will not talk about his poverty. If you would only go from Genesis to Revelation and see all the promises made by God to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to the Jews, to the Gentiles, and to all God's people everywhere, 
if you would spend a month feeding on the precious promises of God. You would not go about complaining about how poor you are, but you would lift up your heads with confidence and proclaim the riches of His grace because you could not help it. What a great quote. God's precious promises. In these next several weeks, seven weeks, we're going to pick seven. Sounds like a lottery. You've won the lottery with the promises of God. Not pick six, not pick five. We'll pick seven of God's promises, but that'll be just the beginning of a study for you. They go on and on through Easter and beyond, to infinity and beyond. Well, anyhow. The first one we want to look at this morning is the promise that we are stamped with God's image. We are made in His image. Consider that promise from Genesis chapter 1. Consider the promise and the implications of that. Very significant in meaning. God has made us to reflect His image. God has made us in such a way that His image shines in and through us, reflecting Himself. God of all wonders. Heaven and earth reflect His majesty. But only humans bear His likeness. That's amazing. We are stamped with His image. Not the mountains and the oceans, although they communicate God's majesty. Not the goldfish or the gorillas and all the animals, all of the creatures, although they reflect God's creativity. Let me read it again. Genesis 1 verse 26, And then God said, Let us make mankind in our, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of, and of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. The psalmist exults as he sings in Psalm 8, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the scars, stars, and all that you have set in place, What is man that you were mindful of him, the son of man, that you should care for him? And yet you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. What does it mean to you that you were made in his image to reflect his glory? You know, I think about what that means to be made in His image, the familial likeness. Sometimes it comes with liabilities like benign tremors that I inherited from my mother or my grandmother or something. But you can see the family likeness. When our kids were little, we had three kids under the age of five, and my sister had... Two kids, two sons, and at one point, like ages six and under, one time we got together and people looked and they said, boy, they all look like Darby's. 
They had the look. They had the likeness of whatever that means. Well, you know, I look around at families, the tellers, for example. Yep, they look like tellers, those kids. And that's a good thing. Chip off the old block. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yes, it's analogous to being made in our Heavenly Father's image the communicable attributes of love and justice and joy and peace that His Holy Spirit brings. Family likeness. And yes, original sin, our sin from the beginning has marred and distorted the image of God within us, the imago Dei, as it says in Latin, the image of God, like a cracked mirror sometimes. It's hard to see the image of God, but yet sin has not destroyed it. It has sometimes distorted that image, but it hasn't destroyed it completely. And that's an important thing to keep in mind. Another quote from Max Lucado in the second chapter. We take after God in many ways. There is no exception to this promise. Every man and woman, born or pre-born, rich or poor, urban or rural, is made in the image of God. Some suppress it, others enhance it, but all were made in the image of God. Sin has distorted this image, but not destroyed it. Sound familiar? (laughs) I lifted that right out of the book. Our moral purity has been tainted. Our intellect is polluted by foolish ideas. We have fallen prey to the elixir of self-promotion rather than God-promotion. The image of God is sometimes hard to discern. But do not think for a moment that God has rescinded his promise or altered his plan. He still creates people in his image to bear his likeness and reflect his glory. The New Testament describes a progressive work of God to shape us into his image. As we fellowship with God, read his word, obey his commands and seek to understand and reflect his character, something wonderful emerges. Or better stated, someone wonderful emerges. God comes out of us. We say things God would say. We do things God would do. We forgive, we share, we love. It is as if God is scribbling the smudge off an old coin. In time, an image begins to appear. God's goal is simply this, to rub off anything that is not of Him so that the inborn image of God can be seen in you and me. This is God's explanation through the Apostle Paul. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. You have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. 2 Corinthians 3.18 We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, 
which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Beloved, this is good news. This is hopeful news. You matter to God. As he said last week, you matter infinitely to God who loves you infinitely and unconditionally. You have great value, worth, importance, significance. Sometimes we wonder we're worth much. Sometimes we wonder about how important we are. The only thing that matters is how important we are to God. Because He has made us in His image, we have incredible worth and dignity, significance. This world talks a lot about self-esteem, self-image. I want to say on record that the only thing upon which we can stand, the rock upon which we can stand, is that we are made in His image and that gives us great value. Amen? Another implication of this wonderful promise is the truth finding its way into your heart. Would you let this truth this morning find its way into your heart? The New Living Translation of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. Say that with me out loud. For we are God's masterpiece. Really? Wow. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. God has a purpose and a plan and He has created us With that in mind, we are created by His craftsmanship. We are His workmanship, another translation gives. So concentrate on that. So meditate on that. Ruminate on that. Be saturated in that. Soak it in this morning. You are God's masterpiece. Let your self-image be informed by God's image. Don't listen to the degrading, devaluing voices of this culture, of this society that says we're only as good as how we look. We're only as good as what we can produce. You're only as good as the grades you get or your productivity. As people get older... They see their productivity fall. Everyone, everyone has great value. Well, would you let this truth sink deep in your hearts as you meditate on that? And would you let this truth define how you see others, the other Application or implication of this great promise is how we treat one another. Let this truth define the way you see other people. Second Corinthians 5 verses 14 through 16 in Eugene Peterson's message translation, a great translation. Listen to these words in that translation. Our firm decision is to work on this Focused center. 
One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be also included in this life. The resurrection life. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have, how they look, and I'll add what they do. We must, brothers and sisters, treat others with this same worth, value, dignity, and significance. Let there be no more destructive, denigrating, hurtful, objectifying treatment for children, unborn children, made in the image of God. Don't miss that point. Teens, you know what I have to say here? Some of you may be offended and get up and leave, but the children. As the children come up to the children's sermon, sometimes there's a lot of energy. Sometimes some people might say, in the church, these churchy reactions to energetic children. I have one thing to say to you all. Think that way and treat them that way. Don't worry. They'll leave. The children, acting like children, whatever age, are made in the image of God. Cherish them. And teenagers, right? When my children were young, they all had mohawks 20-some years ago. They'd walk in the church and they'd sit in the second pew. One of them looked like the Statue of Liberty with the pointy spikes. People grumbled in the back pews. I got ticked off one Sunday and said basically the same thing. Don't worry. Treat them that way and they'll leave. (laughs) Somebody was grumbling behind one of the parents, unknowing, and it got back to me. Friends, all people, children, teenagers, young adults, young adults, made in the image of God. Older adults in nursing homes, significance, value, worth, because they are in the image of God and they must be valued by us. Different races, different ethnicities, different genders, appearance, tall, short, thin, not so thin, backgrounds, married, single, widowed, divorced, wealth, social status, Different in education, different stations in life, different occupations. All matter to God. All have great worth and significance because they are born to reflect the image of God. Every person you meet on the street, saint and sinner alike, need to be treated with love and dignity because they are in the image of God. 
Friends, neighbors, family members, co-workers, even enemies need to be treated with love and dignity because they are created in God's image. This is a life-transforming reality, a life-building truth on the promises of God. Consider these promises. Internalize the promise. This week, pray the promise. Let us make man in God's image. This is God speaking, by the way, in Genesis. Sometimes we feel it's our place to remake people in our image because we think we're... This is God's word. God saying, let us make man in... You know what? Let's say that out loud. Let us make man in our image, God says. One more time. Let us make man in our image. Meditate on that. Memorize that. Let it soak in. Let it sink in. Saturate your heart and mind. Take it in. And pray to personalize that promise. A prayer like, Father, I know I have been made by you in your image. Because of this truth, I have great value in your eyes. Help me to see myself and all others as you see us. All. Amen. Let your promise be this week. I will embrace my role as God's image bearer. I will embrace my role as God's image bearer. And let us let it let it sink in. Take it in and live. The promise. More and more, make this promise the foundation of your life and faith. More and more, be conformed to God's image, transformed in His likeness. Don't be conformed to this world, or don't let this world press you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. More and more and more. That's... What sanctification is all about. God is working within you both to will and to do his good pleasure. In all that you think and do and say, reflect his image and purpose to reflect his image. And here's a statement of faith. Here's a confession of faith for life in this life. We are building our lives on the promises of God. Because his word is unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. We do not stand on the problems of life or the pain of life. We stand on the great and precious promises of God. We don't have that up there. It's in your notes. Take that in. Memorize that throughout the week. We are building our lives on the promises of God because His Word is unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. We do not stand on the problems of life or the pain in life. We stand on the great and precious promises of God. This week, life seems shakable. This world feels breakable. Build your life on the real foundation of Christ and His Word. This week, when all feels hopeless, and you may feel helpless, find hope and help in the unshakable promises of God. Find hope for living in this troubled world, standing on the promises of God. Let us pray.
Lord, you have created everything. And everything you created is wonderful. You created me, but not only that, you created me in your own image. Us in your own image. In these days when we feel like we're not enough or unimportant, help us to remember that you cherish us because we are your children. Show us how to live as an image bearer of you. Show me how we can reflect your goodness to others and how we can walk confidently knowing that we are worthy simply because we are yours. We belong to you. Continue to refine us and mold us into your image until the day that we see you face to face. Thank you for loving us, for never giving up on us, for giving us more value than anything or anyone in this earth could ever imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.